our scripture today, you're going to be opening your Bibles uh, for the first main part to James 3. So I'm going to read James 3 too, and you're going to hear this again, but uh, we'll hear it a couple times. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Any perfect people in here today? You've never said anything that offended you? Never, everybody in here said something that's offended someone. Oh, okay. So this is going to be for us today then, right? I've come to love the book of James um, as I was reading through the Bible. Who knows when? From front to back, I uh, come across James, and I like James. I like James. And uh, it's one of my favorite books. And today we're going to look again at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 specifically. Uh, always got some, we got a little history lesson earlier today about uh, our early history, at least out west in the Pacific uh, area. Um, looked a little bit of history of the about the book of James. James is the Greek name for Jacob, which is a very common Jewish name. Uh, James is considered probably the first book in the New Testament written about 44 A.D., which was quite early after after Christ, uh, quite soon after Christ went to heaven. Um, it's uh, The identity of the author is not 100% known. There's uh, some people that don't agree, disagreement about who it is. It's four people are considered, according to the Bible commentary. James, Father Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but another Judas. Uh, James, the son of Alphaeus. James, the son of Zebedee. Anybody know who he was? James and John. He was a brother. He's one of the disciples of Christ. Most people, most scholars think, however, it's James, which would be the half-brother of Jesus and one of the early uh, Christian leaders. Um. James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament. What are the Proverbs? What do they do? Wise little sayings, right? To, to live your life by. So James has given us some, some good counsel how we should be able to live our life. And we're going to be talking about speech. And in particular, today about the about his practical teachings and aspects of Christian conduct. James' book was written uh, for the the tribes, the 12 tribes which were scattered abroad, and we believe these were the Christian, Jewish Christians, not the Gentile Christians, was who his main focus on his book was. Go back about 50 years to my days in high school, and um, up in the science classroom, always on my left, there was a little small poster there, had a picture of a head. And inside, uh, inside the outline of the head where the brain would be were a bunch of gears. And uh, some of you have seen this poster. And, and I'm assuming I looked at that quite often because I'm, I probably wasn't that interested in science. But at any rate, it says, be sure you're... Some of you said yes. Can you say it with me? Be sure your brain is working before, before you put your mouth in gear. Now, I've seen that. I remember that. Um, it, it caught my attention. Uh, 
I wish I could say I've uh, lived by that <laughs> all the time. Either that or my brain doesn't work. I don't know which, which one it would be. But I've certainly said some things that uh, I probably shouldn't. Uh, without the tongue, there is no speech. So we're going to be talking about the tongue, but we're really talking about what you're saying. And uh, I don't know if Robert said that or not, but for today it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Which means it's really what you're thoughts are, which the poster was really good because that was where your brain is. In other words, be thinking before you speak. So what we put in our mind is going to come out of our mouth sooner or later, unless you're one of these perfect people that can control the tongue and not offend anybody, which I don't think any of us have, have met, met those things. So we're going to talk about, about our speech, about our thoughts. My wife will tell you, and I will tell you, that if anything gets me in trouble, it's my mouth, my speech. And I don't think I'm probably uh, alone in that, but maybe I have a bigger problem than some people. So therefore, James 3 is something I need to come back to every once in a while to uh, study over and to, to live with that. I'm going to read James 3.1. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive greater condemnation. Now, some of your uh, Bibles have something other than masters in it. What, what are some of the words that you have besides masters? Teachers. And the New International Version, I think that might have been it, uh, which is my... Uh, favorite uh, version. Well, I'm a teacher, retired teacher, so that kind of uh, caught my attention. And uh, the basically is saying, you know, people who your masters, the people that are teaching, you know, they're they're speaking words, and they're going to be held accountable more than maybe some other people for what they say, uh, how they say it, what the truth is, or whatever. And I would submit that all of us are teachers here. Any parents in here? You, uh, hopefully you taught your, taught your children, um, professional teachers um, in uh, churches. You have Sabbath schools, Sunday schools, teachers. Uh, Adventists also have pathfinders. There's all kinds of ways uh, you can teach uh, in your job. When somebody comes along and they're first learning it, you're probably teaching how they do their jobs. So we're, we're all teachers in some some sense or another. All right, we're going to hear James 3, 2 again. And um, uh, let's just uh, re-emphasize that as far as how, how important it is to control the tongue. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. Okay, um, that that's pretty plain, isn't it? It's uh, we've got to be careful what we think, so we got to be careful what we say. Um, people take offense real easy, and then that means if you can uh, do that, you can bridle your whole body. That means self-control, great self-control. Um, all right, now we're going to go to some analogies two or three analogies here that James gives to help us understand it a little bit better. 
And we're going to hear James 3.3 again. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole life. Okay. You have a bit. Uh, I'm assuming. I'm not a horse, but I don't think that's a comfortable thing to, to have in your mouth. And so in order to keep from pain, um, if you pull on the reins one way, the horse is going to pull that way or the other way or pull pull back. Yeah, a little bit of teaching to that. Uh, you all remember Pastor Greg Daniel? Some of you do. He would come to the school every once in a while and have some uh, worships. And he illustrated that with the uh, oxen. They have the... Uh, Little, uh, what do you call it, rings in their nose? And your nose is very also prone to be painful if you uh, do it. And that's how some smaller person can control something bigger. I mean, I couldn't make an oxen go anywhere or do anything on my own because I don't have that power. But just having that little ring in the nose, you're able to do that. Now, that's painful. And, uh, uh, not, not a, uh, at least for the oxen, and that's what we need is something painful like that for us to, to do what we're supposed to do. James three four. I've asked somebody to read James three four. We're going to have another analogy here. People hold onto the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Look at whatever the governor has Okay, a lot of you seen some of these great big old huge ships, right? What's the size of the rudder compared to the ship? Pretty small, right? Yet it can it can turn it, and uh, the person who controls the rudder has has control of uh, where the ship will go. And it says that even if it's in uh, great winds or bad places, you still have some have some control there. And uh, if we were to compare the tongue to the rest of our body, it's a very small part, very small body feature. Right, James 3, 5, and 6 is going to be our third analogy. Even so, the tongue is a little member and hosts with great lights. Behold, how great a matter of fire came The tongue is a fire Wow. That's a little more negative than the other two, isn't it? Starting a fire. What last couple of years, every summer, what have we been hearing about? Fires. Uh, the devastation of fire fires, just, just one little spark can uh, destroy hundreds, thousands, and, and millions of acres. Think of gossip, maybe. Saying something bad about someone. What happens? What do they say about gossip? It's like a what? It's like a fire, isn't it? It, it travels. And uh, gossip is either untrue or uh, it could be true, but it puts a negative light on someone. Um, fire, on the other hand, can do what? Let's think of metals, gold, silver. What does it do? Purifies us, right? And God says we're going to be need to be put into the fire to be purified. So fire, fire can be good. Um, and in some cases, we talked about forest fires. Uh, 
the naturalists will set fires to help a forest become vital and to, to stay alive. So our tongues, although some of these things are negative, but our tongues can be used for what? Positive. We sang the uh, first song was we use our tongues in praise and worship to God. And uh, those are some of the things we want to do. All right. Like a burning fire. I'm going to kind of go off on that. Is there any hope for controlling the tongue? Uh, let's see what James 3, 7, and 8 says. I'm going to be reading that. This is from the, the King James Version. It says, For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But. You know what the word but means, right? It's, it's the opposite, right? But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Oh my goodness. Doesn't sound like much hope there, does it? We de- domesticate the animals. Like I said, we use the horses, the oxen, and the different animals, and we can control them, or at least put them in a controlled environment. But no man can tame the tongue. It says it is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. For the last several years, bullying has been in the uh, in the news. Now you'd think after a while bullying would end, right? Everybody knows how bad it is and, and what it can cause. So yeah, why hasn't it stopped? Uh, some years ago, several years ago, um, there was a, uh, a paper article about cyberbullying. You don't even have to be close to the person, and you can still be bullying. You don't even have to be in the same town. There was a young girl, 12-year-old girl named Rebecca Sedwick, lived in Florida, and she'd been cyberbullied by two other girls, 14 and 12 years old. Um, they told her things like, drink bleach and die. Or what? Are you still alive? Uh, ultimately, this young lady jumped off the roof of a building and uh, committed suicide. Uh, you know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, I think anybody knows that that isn't true. We just say it uh, because we don't want someone else thinking that they are getting to us. But it's, it's certainly not true. The tongue can cause a lot of terrible things. Uh, again, it says there, it says in verse um, 8, it says, No man can tame the tongue. Uh, from Bible commentary on James, in uh, volume 7 of the, uh, of the commentaries, page 5, 26, I'm going to read a little quote here. Uh, And it's talking about taming the tongue. It says, This does not mean that the tongue can never be brought under control, but, but again, I always like buts in in these things. They they bring it to your attention. Look, this is what you've heard, but, it says, but that sinful human nature lacks the power to, to subdue it. Divine grace alone can accomplish that. James clearly acknowledged the possibility in us 
and as according to verse 2, of and declare that the followers of Christ ought to gain the victory over undisciplined speech. But it's by the grace, divine grace, the grace of God that we can do that. Let's go to verses uh, 9 through 12 now. I'm going to be reading those. Therewith we bless God, even the Father. That's good, right? (laughs) And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same time, same place, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. Uh, We can't be praising God and going out gossiping or swearing maybe even or saying bad things about people. Um, Whatever. We can't do that. We can't worship God and curse our brothers at the same time. Now, we've probably done that. We probably know people that have done that. Let's go to... um, we're going we're gonna to leave James for just a... Uh, well, we're leaving James. We'll put it that way. We're going to go to Matthew 12, 34-37. Christ uh, had uh, done a miracle and um, cast out a devil or something like that. And the Pharisees were there and they said, well, of course He can cast them out because He is a devil Himself. Can you imagine that? So he's he's a bells above. He's a bells above. Of course he could do that. And we want to read uh, 34 through 37 here. It says, he's talking to the, the Pharisees. He says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. Here, here's a strong, strong one. And what I don't know what your Bible says, but in my Bible, the word says, but again, a little emphasis. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. It's pretty strong, isn't it? For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Hmm. That's um, that's pretty strong. Where does our speech come from according to those verses? Out of our minds or our hearts. So I would suggest two things at this point. One only be putting uh, good, positive things into my mind. So only good, positive things can come out. And one of those good, positive things, the most important of the two points is let God have control of me because I don't have self-control. I can't control myself. I'm not able to. I have to allow God to be in control and to uh, let Him put good things 
my heart. And I desire uh, in my own life to be positive and uplifting in my speech and my thoughts and to, to uh, speak in a Christ-like manner. And, of course, some of you may know, my wife more than anybody, but uh, that doesn't always happen. So that's why we need to have these reminders. That's why we, we study things over and over again. I hope uh, to end with uh, that I have some texts that might encourage us and give us some counsel as to uh, to our speech. And uh, let's go to Romans 10.10. 10. Or has Romans 10.10. 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And we're to confess God to those, not only for our own salvation, but for the salvation of others. Uh, Proverbs uh, 13.3. Isn't that the truth? Okay. Um, I think we have two together here. Psalms 39.1 and Psalms 40, verse 3. Um, in my my private morning worships, I have Psalms 141, 2, and 3. Uh, go ahead and read 2 because that's a good one too. I, and I kind of try to read those and, and say those to myself every day. What is it? Or is it three and four? What does what verse four say? So, oh yeah, to my own, yeah. to evil, to, yeah. I, I I found those somewhere, so I put them on a little card, and I try to remember those things because what was my what's my biggest one of my biggest problems? In my mouth. All right, Psalms, um, nineteen, fourteen. Let the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This is, uh, this is one aspect of our life, is our thoughts and our words. And um, I just uh, hope that today, hopefully we've gotten some good counsel. Because like I said, whenever I uh, get up and do these exhortations, usually they're applying to to me, so now you know all my problems if I ever get up to speak again. But uh, I imagine that uh, I'm not the only one that has those problems. We're all human. So let's be careful in our speech. It all depends on what we meditate upon, what we think about, because it will come out of our mouths. And what is to come out of our mouths is teaching and sharing salvation, justification, giving honor and glory to God, for what He's done, to be positive and uplifting in, in what we say and in what we do. That's my prayer. Dear Fathers, we uh, leave this place. We ask You would to go with us, help us to meditate upon Your words and to utter those words. Not some of the other words we hear, but uh, let You into our lives into our minds that we will uplift others, but most of all, we'll uplift you in our speech. In Jesus' holy name, amen.